This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Insiders podcast. A little bit different flavor today with what we're doing. It's going to be a little bit fun. We've shuffled the lineup for basketball season, and Matt Walters on top of that isn't available today because Matt has a women's game tonight for which he needs to prepare. And boy, Matt Walters needs a lot of time to prepare. I'm telling you, folks. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, and also, Ryan Black has stepped out for basketball season. He'll still sub in once in a while. But we have a group of former K-State basketball players that are going to be part of the Insiders podcast. Um, and two of them are with us today. Jay Heydrich, who is uh, uh, better known nowadays for being the spouse of Missy Heydrich. Which, you know, Jay, that's, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I, you get no argument from me. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Uh, and former Kansas State point guard Chris Griffin um, are among our our panel we'll have a couple other guys uh, we'll bring them in later as the season goes and our own ryan gilbert joins us today to talk about hoops and we're sponsored by blue mark energy does your company or your employer spend four thousand dollars or more a year on energy bills would you like to reduce those costs by 25 percent or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability if so it's time to speak with blue mark energy blue mark energy k-state owned and k-state proud Let's just dive in, guys. Uh, Jay, give me your overall thoughts on this Kansas State basketball team and the state of the program. And uh, after you're done talking for 20 minutes, we'll take a commercial break. <laughs> you know, you know very well, huh? <laughs> um, one word to describe it would just be young. And I've talked with a lot of different people about this and, um, and talked with Chris and a couple others via text about this too. But you know, I don't think you can understate the impact of not having a lot of upperclassmen is having on this team. Uh, I don't care what AAU program you came from. I don't care how many games you played, what circuit you played on. Unless you're one of the top 50 kids in, in, in the class and one of those just truly elite NBA-type players, uh, when you come into college, it's hard. You've never done it before. And um, you're playing against – as Frank Martin would say, grown men, and you're playing against guys who are 21, 22 years old. And if you think about the difference between what it takes between a freshman in high school and then a, then a, and a senior in high school, that's even more amplified when you get to college because that senior or that junior has had three, four years of strength training, of going through the rigors of a season, of a college season, and it wears on you. And so what happens is in practice, when you have upperclassmen on your team, those upperclassmen, they beat the hell out of you every day in practice. And you get used to um, playing against guys who are bigger, faster, stronger, older, and you figure it out. Uh, but that happens in practice. 
And what's happening with this team now is that that's happening, but it's just happening on TV every week. And we're seeing that happen. And, and we're seeing, we're seeing some progress. You're seeing some maturation and everything. Um, but it is a learning process and it's, and it's an ugly one right now. Um, and just things like figuring out how to get back on defense and, you know, you can't jog back on defense and every play matters and, and, and valuing it. And, um, you're, you're seeing a lot of those things, um, every day in games. And, and I think that that is a, a huge, um, issue that, that they're having to overcome right now. And hopefully these kids can keep their head up and, and move past it because they are talented, but, but they're just behind, behind the curve and they don't have anyone to teach them what, what they need, what they need to learn. That's very true. Griff, you watched that uh, four-day state game. I think you said you didn't have a chance to watch the Milwaukee game. But that kind of gets uh, to Jay's point that it, even a Division II NCAA team um, has guys that are used to playing college basketball and being coached and knowing the things you got to do at the college level supersedes anything you might have learned at the AAU level, which honestly isn't the best brand of basketball. Great young players, don't get me wrong, but you're not learning all the things you needed to know to play college basketball. Uh, well, that's true. Uh, I, I, I got to admit that I don't really know the dynamics of Fort Hayes, you know, makeup <laughs> of their team. Uh, but I, I, I would, <laughs> I would, you know, venture to say that uh, we, we still have better athletes than, yeah. you know, than they have on the court. And I thought that the style of play that we were exhibiting on offensive end, you know, just the movement or just the uh, the defense end and the tenacity or the effort, uh, I didn't see that uh, displayed during that game. Uh, so I, I, I do agree with Jay uh, wholeheartedly, but uh, I, I still would like to believe that, you know, a D1 team uh, with the caliber of players that we do have uh, should, you know, present a, a, a better showing than they did against Fort Hay State. If that makes sense. Yeah. Ryan Gilbert, you're the young guy uh, on this panel. I, I'm, I'm the oldest, and the other two are just getting older. Um, <laughs> and uh, this has to be really difficult for you to watch as a Kirk College student at K-State to see that this is the team uh, you're going to be covering for Go Power Cat. And yet they did take a step forward Friday night against Milwaukee. They did look better. But it's, you know, a step forward from where you were on Tuesday night uh, losing to Fort Hayes doesn't mean it's a great step forward, does it? It's it's still not a great product, and they've got a long ways to go. Yeah, it seems like it's one step forward, but two steps back with this team. I mean, Chris and Jay, you guys have, have pretty much hit on everything. They're a young team, and, you know, as cliche as it is to say, they're going to get better, they're going to grow, but it's going to take a lot of time. Um, when you don't practice against, you know, older, better guys, it's just going to halt your progression. Um, as it goes. So they're having to learn, you know, during these games instead of practice. So you're right, Fitz, this is not the way that, you know, my first season covering, you know, the Cats, this is not how I wanted it to be. But, you know, I lived through, what was that, the 2015 season? So I'll, we'll live through this one, right? Jay, this is uh, another rebuild for the Bruce Weber program. Something I know that we've talked about, it's it's difficult uh, to, to go through another one of these. And we also recognize the fact that this happens. I mean, you, you do have downturns at times, but uh, this is more than a downturn. This is a, a complete rebuild from the ground up. And um, how patient should fans be with this process? You know, I, every year 
I get in debates with people about how, you know, making the NCAA tournament, is that a bellwether? Is that not a bellwether? And I personally don't believe that you look at the NCAA tournament as something that defines a season or a coach, whether or not, you know, 50 people sit in a conference room decide you're worthy of postseason. I don't think that that necessarily um, uh, defines you. And, and from my standpoint, um, uh, I, I, I think this year in particular, um, I don't think that K-State fans can look at it just as pure wins and losses. I think that you have to look at it from a standpoint of, like Chris said, what's the effort that you're giving uh, night in, night out? Do you see progress? Do you do that? You know, if if, if you're continuing to see progress um, and um, they're growing and, and you feel like there's a good future there, um, that, 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 that'll that give you some hope for next year. Uh, particularly with COVID, I think, is going to be really difficult this year as losses mount up, you know, how disciplined are these kids going to be? You know, it's, it's hard, uh, you know, you, you talk about football. Um, they've been on uh, campus since August. Well, basketball has been there since the same time frame, and they have to basketball plays over fall break. They play over winter break and they potentially play over spring break. And so that is a long time to be on campus. And it's also a long time to ask kids to essentially remain in a bubble and don't be college kids. And as, as losses continue to pile up, that's going to be really, really hard for a young team to do particular. But if you can get to the end of the season and feel like they've shown effort, they've, they've improved in the areas where they need to improve in and, and there's hope, you know, then, then that, uh, that, that'll, that'll buy some patience. But you get to March or April and you're still seeing effort issues, you're still seeing lack of discipline issues, um, you see two or three more kids transfer out of the program, um, that's going to be a wholly different analysis that I think that K-State fans need, need to look hard, look hard at. Griff, you kind of brought this up. I, I mean, it sounds like an old basketball coach here. You can't always control the ball going in the basket, but you can't control your defense and your your effort, your rebounding, your your how hard you play. I think that was the most discouraging thing I, I saw against Fort Hayes was they just didn't have the want to. Uh, you know, they they almost felt like they could go through the motions. And I got news for these guys. I hope they found out they're not ready to go through the motions against anyone at this level. And you have to be really good at this level to go through the motions and win against another Power 5 team. So uh, I, I think they learned a lesson from that. At least I hope so. But, boy, you just got to care, man. You got to get out there and play hard and care. And that didn't happen particularly in that Hayes game. Well, the, the Hayes game for, for me, uh, I stopped watching it after a little while. And it just, <laughs> it, well, it, I, I would like to think that my time at K-State, I, I played hard, you know, played defense. I did all the little things, uh, as, you know, when I – my time there as a, you know, career point guard there at K-State. Uh, but I was watching the Fort Hayes game, and I was seeing guys at the rim laying the ball up, you know, out, you know, layup out the layup, you know, big guys that barely can move going by other big guys for our team laying the ball up. And uh, I don't even know if we got out rebounding that game or not, but when I was – stopped watching it, Fort Hayes without rebounding, uh, re- rebounding K State at the time, so those things is is you know that's that's just effort. You you have to do those things. You got to play good defense. You got to rebound the ball. You know you're not going to make shots every night. Uh, I think the uh, Wisconsin game. I think they shot like 50 some percent from the floor floor in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to make shots all the game. I mean, every game. So you got to at least do those little things and play hard and show effort out there when you're playing uh, basketball at that level. Gills, you've been on hand for Hayes and uh, the Milwaukee game. 
I still want to call them Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, <laughs> how different were the efforts between those two games for K State? Yeah, we heard about the players only meeting that was held following the Hayes loss. So I, th- I think definitely was uh, sort of a change of culture within the team. Um, they were they were trying a little harder. I think they were a little more active, you know, on defense and stuff like that. A little more engaged. So yeah, they, they definitely were. They came out and. You know, you can't look back in your rearview mirror. You, you got to keep moving forward with, you know, just you know, regardless of it, of if it's a winner or a loss. So, yeah, I think they, they came out better. And, and like we said earlier, it's, it's, you know, you can't take two steps back now. You got to win. You got to keep going and fighting um, if you're Bruce Weber. I, I guess I shouldn't say you have to win, but, you know, Iowa State, this is one of the best opportunities you've got in the Big 12. So, Ames is usually a really tough place to play. That won't be the same this year because of, because of COVID. So, you know, they've got a chance to steal one out there. Um, but I, I think that, that if you can, if, if you can keep that level of, you know, enthusiasm they had against Milwaukee, then r- regardless of the outcome, I, I think that you're happy if you're a K-State fan. Yeah, I agree, Jay. I think the, the one thing K-Staters don't tolerate, Jay, is going through the motions and not caring. Uh, you can be the less talented, but you better be busting your butt for K-Staters, or they're going to get upset with you. They did play harder against Milwaukee. Um, They do open play Tuesday night in conference play tomorrow night uh, at Iowa State, as Gills said, that this is one of the games that they can win, in theory, in a conference year that is absolutely loaded for the Big 12. There are three teams that would be considered unloaded, um, might you say, Iowa State, TCU, and K-State, and here's a matchup with them and yet they're not even close to ready for this I wouldn't be surprised if this is a 20-point loss am I being pessimistic yeah who knows I mean I I don't think that it's I don't think that it's going to be a cakewalk by by any stretch and I haven't seen a line but I would suspect Iowa State's pretty heavily favored in this Um, these are the things that are going to be huge where uh, again, little things. You know, if, if if you get a dunk and you turn to the bench to to flex, guess what? Iowa State's going to be shooting a three pointer by the time you're done flexing. Um, the, the, these are the this is the type of game where effort's going to be even more so important because you're not going to have time to think about what just happened because Iowa State's going to be moving the ball down, um, uh, for, forcing the issue. Um, and it's it's going to definitely present a, a challenge on, um, on on a young team too, and you know Iowa State is known as um, you know up and down three point shooting and they are, but that's going to mean long rebounds. It's also going to mean that you know Iowa State they are they're a sneaky rebounding team too. You know they'll they'll come in and get a lot of cheap buckets on you, get a lot of cheap buckets in in transition as well, and particularly if K State plays um, plays small. And particularly if they uh, if they don't, um, they try to play big with um, with Bradford um, and Iziagu if he if he's back. But you know the, those guys have have potential to to affect the game and um, and go to K State's strengths of getting the ball inside. But um, they've just they've just got to keep growing and, and be ready for um, again it's something they don't know what they don't know and they don't know what's what's coming in in Ames and it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, you know, Chris, we keep hearing from Coach Weber that uh, they haven't worked on inbounds passes and they haven't worked on full court pressure and they haven't worked on this and that. And I'm I'm beginning to wonder how far behind is this team 
for a number of reasons. First of all, they weren't supposed to be this young. And they had some guys transfer and really um, coach did the best job he could to fill out the roster. I think they actually did a pretty good job considering the situation in which they found themselves. Um, but as a coach, uh, what would be your first things that you would emphasize to a young team? How would you go about constructing? Would it start on the defensive end? Like I, I suspect that's what Weber and Lowry are doing with this team. Uh, Bruce Weber and Chris Lowry, the associate head coach, they are defensive coaches. And yet, uh, if that's the building place, I don't see a whole lot of construction yet because uh, they were so bad at defense at times. Is that where you start with the new team? I, I personally would because I'm I'm, I, I'm a defensive type. Of, I'm a defense guy. Uh, so I, you know, again, I it's it's easier to give that effort on defense and, and teach defense um, rebounding and all those things uh, as opposed to the offensive uh, continuity on the. On, on that end of the court, uh, getting a lot of guys cutting and moving without the ball. Uh, but uh, for a young team, you have to instill that defense, uh, especially, you know, when these guys just brought up our state game. Uh, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to get up and down the court. So when you get in the Big 12 play, you got to be able to defend the ball, uh, defend penetration, uh, also rebound the ball once you defend uh, defend as a team. Uh, five guys defending as a team, make sure you close it out with a good rebound. So I just think that's the easy transition, especially since COVID is going on. I don't know how much practice they, they're able to do or anything like that. Uh, but uh, again, I, I go back to effort. I think that would be easy to implement uh, the defense and, and just instill in those guys because those guys are young right now. And if you can get that into their mindset right now, moving forward in the program, I think that's just going to, you know, do well for us in the future. Gills, what are Kansas State's chances to win this game at Iowa State? And what do they have to do a lot better than they have so far uh, to accomplish that task? You know, with Iowa State, it always kind of does depend on on their three-point shooting and if they can just hit those threes that they're chucking up or not. Uh, I don't give K-State a good chance to win it, but certainly it's it's the COVID year. I think that any game isn't safe. So, you know, you know, Davion Bradford and Selton Miguel and Rudy Williams, those three newcomers had a really good game um, against Milwaukee. So they're going to have to continue and build off of that. So, you know, Mike McGurl can only do so much, right? It, it's, you know, Deuce Vaughn with K-State football. It's pretty easy to stop him. Someone else is going to have to step up for you if you want to win. So, uh, it, it can't just be Mike McGurl. You know, I mean, he's going to do all he can to lead his team um, with defense and stuff, but somebody else is going to have to pick up the slack and, and score points. I wish I could give you um, an answer as to who that may be, but certainly Davion, Selton, or Rudy, I think one of those guys can continue playing well. You, you know, it's kind of like you see the ball just, just go through the net, um, and it just gets easier from there. The basket gets larger. So I think K-State also needs to perhaps – you know, understand who the, the scores are on this team. I don't think Dejuan Gordon should be taking as many shots as, uh, you know, a natural three-point shooter on this team. So, see what happens. I, I don't give him a great chance, but I'll, I'll tune in and I'll, I'll, I'll watch and see what happens. Jay, before we go to break, um, I want to really, in the second half of the podcast today, I want to hit on positives, which are some of these freshmen and Mike McGurl, who is uh, – He's been Mike McMahon. I mean, he's been a man how he's handled this. And it's been really impressive. And uh, I think K-Staters owe a debt of gratitude to Mike for how he's handling this situation. But the sophomore class was supposed to be 
uh, kind of the foundation for this build. They came in last year. They All three of them played quite a bit. Casey Iziagu came in at semester, didn't play, but he practiced with them as he transferred from UTEP, preparing for his eligibility this fall. Now we're looking at Montavious Murphy's out with another knee injury. Um, Iziagu's had a knee procedure now, and he's sidelined. I, I suspect he'll be back more quickly than Murphy. I, I have a bad feeling about Montavious's situation. Antonio Gordon is wildly inconsistent and has missed a bunch of practice. And Dejuan Gordon has the most ill-defined game I've ever seen from a K-State player. He thinks he's one thing, and he's entirely another thing. He is not an outside shooter. He's a dribble-penetrating, undersized forward that can get in the lane and score. Um, For me, this is the problem. It's not the freshmen. It's that the sophomores – um, have not kind of filled their roles that you need when you're rebuilding a program. They have to play like juniors, and they're not even playing like sophomores right now. They don't seem that as if they've advanced at all, even the ones that are healthy. Your thoughts? Yeah, that that's been that's been a bit of a disappointment. You know, with with Dejuan, um, I think he needs to go back and watch a lot of film of Barry Brown because when Barry Brown came into the program, he thought he, he was a uh, outside shooter as well and spent so much time just shooting balls from the outside when Barry Brown became the player that we remember Barry Brown being is when he realized that he could get to the hole and if he got in and became uh, the three-point shot became something he could do but not wasn't his first option and so Barry Brown started getting to the hole which which opened up uh, opportunities for other people um, as because as, it forced defenses to rotate things like that that that's the biggest problem with K-State's offense is that they don't do anything to make the defense rotate they, they, they're easy to guard they stand out and they do a lot of standing and dribbling up top they do they run a high uh, ball screen when they try to run some motion um, they get lost in principles because the ball sticks or they don't cut hard they don't set any screens things like that um, but if if Dejuan Gordon does have some skill to be able to take um, some people off the hole, he's got good size to get to the rack. And if he would focus on on, on what he does well instead of trying to um, think, you know, maybe what other people want to see him do well instead of uh, uh, playing to his strengths, then I think that, that that'd be a huge difference. Um, same thing with uh, Antonio. Um, uh, you know, he – he's got he's got a lot of skill as well um but you know uh, i always think there's big guys get lost in the in the track you know of uh people want to see me shoot outside i got to prove that i can shoot outside you know if if you go get 14 and 10 and don't shoot a single outside shot people are going to be pretty happy with what you do um so instead of having it be a focus of your game have it be a compliment to your game and go focus on things that, that you do really well i think that's where, where the sophomore class is really struggling right now is just trying to find out, you know, what they are. And, and to be fair, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's completely asking too much of any of these kids to, to be thrown into situations where they are to be able to say, all right, I need you to uh, freshman and sophomore to go, you know, be, be big 12 frontline caliber players and play against Kansas and Baylor and Texas and things like that. Um, it, it's it, they're just not ready for that yet, and they're they're learning, but they're they're just not there yet. But there are some good signs too, though. You mentioned uh, Dejuan Gordon probably wanting needing to go watch some Barry Brown film. I think Antonio Gordon needs to watch some Dennis Rodman film. 
you know what? Th- this team doesn't have a power forward right now. Doesn't really have one that is standing out that can go in there and give you 30 minutes. But if you go in there and rebound and get offensive rebounds and stick the ball back in, like you said, end up with 14 and 10, and everyone's a little bit surprised at the end of the game. That's your stats. You're going to play a whole lot of basketball. And what will happen is eventually you'll hit a three-pointer because you'll be in the right spot at the right time and need to pull the trigger. Go go, go! watch Shane Southwell film. Go watch uh, Xavier Sneed when he, when he played the four form. I mean, uh, Xavier Sneed, we, we think of him as this standalone spot-up shooter, but Xavier played a lot of four, and uh, the majority of Xavier's points, they came off of offensive rebounds, getting fouled, getting out in transition. You know, um, he, we, 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 we remember Sneed for being this shooter, but, you know, when, when – you look back at history, I don't think he really shows that he was a phenomenal outside shooter. What he did was Xavier played extremely hard and made the most of the situations that, that, that he had before him. And I think Antonio Gordon c- can be that type of player as well. Chris, I, I'm of the opinion that the biggest gift a coach can give his player or players is a definition of who they are and what they should do. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a – uh, you know, me growing up watching Jack Hartman teams, um, Ken Cochran at Marymount College, um, you know, coaches that if if you step out of what your assigned role is, you're going to step off the floor really quickly. And you're going to learn that uh, you only take that shot when that shot's the only thing left to do. Um, and this is what you do the rest of the time. Uh, I I just don't see these these guys being well-defined, and maybe it's just way too early for that, for K-State basketball, figuring out what everyone needs to do and when they need to do it. Well, well they are a young team, and I, I, and I, I do think that the lack of practice this year uh, yeah. from the coaching staff and everybody playing together, coming together, having some chemistry, those when you're uh, – you show what you are in practice, and your coaches, you know, your coaching staff – let you know exactly what they want for you in practice uh, and in the game as well. Well, I hope that they're doing it. You expand your game in practice, you may be able to do a little more on the, on the basketball court. Uh, but, yeah, you can see that as they play, on the, especially on the offensive end. You guys are talking about uh, Gordon and everything. And those guys don't seem like they're, they're comfortable you know, they're trying to be shooters and, and everything, they, and they can give the team more if they do things that they're, they're very good at. And I think the coaches need to step in and, and tell those guys, hey, it's nothing wrong with taking two dribbles and getting into the paint and pulling up. You know, that's a good shot for you. You know what I mean? And it, next time down court, you may get that three-point, and it's going, you, you, you're being better, in a better, better rhythm you know, to make that three-pointer, you know, next time down court. But I, I, I do believe that uh, role defining is, is the coach's job and, uh, and it's definitely needed at, you know, all levels of basketball. You know, like you guys brought up Dennis Rodman. He knew who he, who he was. He went in there and rebound the ball. You know, he scored points in college. He scored like 20-some points a game. But in the NBA, his role changed, you know. And once the coaches told him, hey, this is what we need for you to do, you know, he was a valuable contributor to that basketball team because he went out there and rebounded the ball. And I think, yeah, you're right. We need to do the same, or the coaching staff need to do the same thing with this team. And you got to start doing it at an early age, and then they can expand upon it when they, you know, get more skills. That's Chris Griffin, former Kansas State point guard, 
Jay Heidrich is also with us, a former Kansas State superstar, and uh, has his jersey retired at Porter's. It's a very rare honor. Those those eight points I those eight points I scored in my career. I mean, they they were hard fought. Well, you scored more points in the first half of this podcast. Uh, and that's also Ryan Gilbert. I'm Fitz, and we'll be back on the other side of this short break with more of the Powercat Insiders podcast, brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. The Powercat podcast will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast as we shuffle our lineup for basketball season a little bit. We've got some basketball guys, some former players. Chris Griffin and Jay Heidrich are with us today, along with Ryan Gilbert. Matt Walters is off preparing for Monday night's women's game for the Wildcats. He's got the radio side. Ironically, uh, Jay's wife, Missy, has the TV side. Um, You know, Jay, I really do enjoy Missy. And I think she does an outstanding job. Uh, and I, I like the fact that tonight, if I want to, I can turn on my television on ESPN Plus and watch a K-State women's basketball game. I think ESPN Plus has been great for K-State athletics. Yeah, I do too. I think it's been great for not only K-State athletics, but especially as a father of a daughter, you know, women's athletics in particular, um, volleyball, softball, um, you know, and, and baseball as well too. All the, all the non-revenue sports that you see out there, it's, it's given a great platform for uh, a lot of people who uh, wouldn't have been able to um, have, have their parents watch them play, um, uh, be able to see them that, that, that wasn't available before. Oh, the dogs in the old, uh, podcast studio here hey uh jay what how are you going to handle it when your daughter gets a, a scholarship offer from kansas to play softball <laughs> whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i hope I, I hope that's a problem we have to deal with but i will i will say that uh um i'll i'll tell her the same thing that my dad told me when i was going to k-state was he said i'm just happy you're going to school that's a good point a very good point 
And we're brought to you by Blue Mark Energy, a natural gas products and services provider serving creed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Well, let's move back to the K-State basketball team as we continue our discussion. As the Wildcats prepare for Iowa State on Tuesday night in Ames, uh, they're supposed to play Baylor on Saturday in Bramlage Coliseum. Gills, uh, do you see any chance that game is played? And would you go to Waco, Texas without a mask on? First of all, I would not go to Waco, Texas, probably ever, but with or without a mask. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we heard Weber say that the game was kind of up in the air for Saturday. Um, that's about all he knows as of right now. Um, obviously, you know, the big showdown with, with Baylor and Gonzaga was canceled back last week due to COVID concerns. So, I mean, as much as you would hate to see K-State get blown out by Baylor, I think it, there's always something you can take away from a loss. Um, so giving these guys minutes, it's the same philosophy that, that goes with Kleiman wanting to play every game he can. Um, I think you want this game to be played, you know, regardless of, of how bad it may be. You're right, Chris. I, Baylor's really good uh, from what we've seen. Unfortunately, we got – cheated out of that Baylor-Gonzaga game, like Gills just said. But um, even with a young team, you want them to play that game. You just want them to get the experience. This is the level at which we want you to play eventually. If you're going to win the Big 12, which two Bruce Weber teams have done, you need to be able to go toe-to-toe with this type of team. And Baylor's exceptional. You may not be able to beat them, but you've got to compete with them. And I like the idea of playing them right out of the gate and, and getting knocked upside the head. Just maybe maybe get some sense into them. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, for me, is uh, yeah, you, you want it as a measuring stick. So, you, you know, they're what, number one, number one team in the nation right now somewhere? So yeah. the, you want a measuring stick. So uh, you want to play against the best, uh, even if you, you know, don't you know, don't perform that well or, you know, come out with the victory, you want to be able to go back to the drawing board and understand how hard you need to play, you know, what you need to do to be successful. That's what any competitor is. You know, um, one of uh, Vince Lombardi said he, he never lost the game. He just ran out of time. So you, you kind of want to have that mentality. You want to be able to, you know, like uh, what Gibber said, you want to be able to go back and process it, understand what you did wrong, improve upon your skills, and then next time you can go out there and attack them better. Uh, and that's what it all comes down to. You just want to keep getting better as you progress in your career. Okay, let's get to some of the positives of this team. Jay Hydrick, which of these young guys do you like the most? Uh, I really like Nigel Pack. Uh, yeah. I like Pack and I like Bradford. Um, I, I think they play well off each other. and I think we saw that a little bit um, in the Milwaukee game. Uh, we made a renewed in, renewed effort to get the ball to Bradford inside. Uh, you know, I think I tweeted during the Hayes game that I'm not a basketball coach, but I like the matchup of our seven-footer against the shot putter for Fort Hayes, um, and we should keep going back to it. But um, it, Bradford's got a lot – he's got a lot of ability. He's a big body. He's a young body, but he, he moves really well. Uh, I really like Pack. Um, I I like Pack all around. I like him with the ball in his hands because I think he makes good decisions. And I think he is one of the people that doesn't just have the let the ball stick in his hands. But with his shooting ability, I really like him off the ball too, uh, coming off screens and, and being able to move. He, he brings a lot of energy 
um, uh, to, to the floor. And I, I think he and Bradford are going to make a, a really good duo um, as, as time passes. And they just keep getting better and better every game. I, I agree with you. I, and my guy is uh, Miguel. I just think he Selden Miguel is just – he's got something about him. He's really raw. Uh, but I, I think he uh, has a huge upside. What I like about Pack is – I mentioned this, not knowing your defined role. He came with that. He understands what a point guard's supposed to do. Chris, you were a point guard. It seems to me in this day and age of college basketball and AAU, true point guards are hard to find. Guys that are like, I am going to make everyone around me better. I'm going to defend. And when I have to, I will shoot and score, which unfortunately Nigel Pax had to do quite a bit of. But he is a pass-first, create-first type of point guard. And that is a rare commodity, and he's pretty darn good at it. That is – a if you're going to start somewhere at the recruiting class, that is a great place to start. Well, I, I really love them. I, I, I know I spoke with Jay about this and a few other basketball guys that, you know, from our years. Uh, but I, I really love him, man. Uh, Nigel Pack, he's, uh, he's, he can break you down. He understands the game. He understands how to be a point guard. Uh, like you mentioned, he can, he's a, you know, a pass first, shoot second type of guy but he want to get everybody involved in the game. He's so smooth out there. He can defend. He's got very good feet, uh, very good handles on both sides, uh, right and left. And uh, he can get to the basket and finish at the basket to be his size. And he can also shoot the three. And he got a nice mid-range game, game as well. Uh, but just to echo what you guys said, uh, those are the three guys that I really like. As, you know, I, I do believe Miguel's raw. Uh, but if you're looking for the future, uh, I think you need to play those guys so they can get that experience. You know, Bradford, Miguel, you know, it's not like the other guys are better. And I know he probably is just playing a lot of different guys, a lot of different lineups just trying to, you know, because everybody's so young right now. But I, I really believe those guys would be the core if, you, if you're looking at something to, you know, kind of hang your hat on. You got a seven-footer who's skillful. Let him play. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. You know, let him let him make mistakes <laughs> and let him play. You know, what I, mean? I don't understand that, but that's just me. And Nigel is, you know, you got to let him play like thirty-five minutes a game. You know, it's just you just come out and just have a little water break, and that's it. And you go back in the game type of player. Uh, I believe he is. It was interesting. Bruce Weber said he asked Dave Young Bradford if he's ever played that many minutes a game. He said not even close. And you know, he, <laughs> he, at one point he 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 asked to be subbed out and. Weber said I ignored him and then called a timeout because we had to have him on the court um, because that's how good he was against Wisconsin. Gills, I, I was uh, – I haven't seen that kind of post play at K-State in a long time. I mean, I haven't seen a true post player. I put this out there. This goes way back. Les Kraft might have been the best post player. And let me say, Les was a – worked awfully hard, but he was by no means a highly skilled post player. But that's how bad true posts have been at K-State. I mean, or incomplete, I should say. Uh, Makama Ween had moments, but he was incomplete. Davion Bradford seems to have a little bit of everything, the, starting with the fact that he can move his feet and he catches the ball. Without those two things, you're not going to be a very good big guy. And he does those two things, and he already knows how to score. Yeah, a lot of seven-footers don't come with that because it's been so easy to dunk and you've been so much bigger. And honestly, I thought that would be the case with Davion Bradford. But he knows how to score, and he seems to be learning how to do it against bigger opponents as we go here. I'm really encouraged by him. But after all saying all that, who is your guy on this team in terms of uh, 
young and upcoming guy. You mentioned a good, a lot of good things about Davion. He is kind of a breath of fresh air to, you know, sit back and, oh, we have a, a dominant post that can actually make plays for us. And, you know, that's not a bash on May Ween, but, you know, you, you give him the ball down low, you would always just get kind of, oh, boy, what's he going to do? Is he going to turn it over? What, what's going to happen here? So, you know, Bradford's a strong, strong player. It's going to grow a lot. But, you know, it, it's pretty obvious Nigel Pack is, I think, going to be the best player out of these five. Um, we haven't talked about Kazubki at all. We haven't seen him on the court. Um, I don't think he'll be the best, but there'd be remiss if we didn't mention his name just because he's been injured. Um, he's got a smooth stroke. He can shoot the ball, but I, I think that his athleticism um, is a little behind probably Nigel Pack or Bradford. So Pack is awesome on and off the court, you know, comes from a great family and I, I love what I'm seeing out of him and it's going to be fun to, you know, follow him and watch him grow over the next four or, or five years, depending on what he wants to do. I have to say this about Pack and, and Bradford, both of them are really mature in post-game press conferences or, or pre-game press conferences. Uh, they handled themselves very well, and I think that uh, says a lot about where they could carry this program. Uh, Jay, he mentioned Luke Kazabuki that hasn't played yet, uh, and I am in favor of – and this is something these K-State teams haven't had – the sniper, the guy who can come in and change the game. And maybe he's only going to play 15, 20, 25 minutes – but when he's in there, you leave him open, you're going to pay the price. And I, I'm hopeful that's what he is. That's what he's advertised to be. Yeah, K-State's been longing for a guy like that for a while. I can't think of the last guy um, uh, who, who would have filled that role. But it goes down to, like we talked about earlier, you know, identifying and filling roles for the team that we need. You know, every every team has a role. All roles are important, but not all roles are equal. And so getting people to, uh, to, to really buy into that mantra is key. And I think Bradford fits is, uh, fits, is a great example of how of fitting into that. You know, we talked about, you know, his skill and everything in the last two games um, or even the season, when was the last bad shot Bradford took? Can you think of a time where you thought, oh, man, what, what's he doing? He's not out there trying to do more than, than, than he can do. He, you know, he's, he's rolling off screens hard and he's dunking the ball. Or he's getting on the post, he's making a dribble one move, or he's kicking it out. You know, if, if you can get a kid like Kazabuki to come in and do the same thing, to realize that my job is just to sit here and uh, rain fire down from the outside and not to try to take people off the dribble and to play good defense and, and, and fill that role and not do too much. If you get more and more kids who identify what their roles are and willing to accept it and play that role to the best of their ability, they're going to get a lot of success out of these kids because they are talented. I agree. I agree. I, uh, I want to turn my attention here to Mike McGurl. And Chris, can you imagine being the only senior on your team? There's only four four and a half returning guys. You want to count Iziagu as a returner, although he didn't play last year. And you're the only upperclassman of those returners. Uh, the only other upperclassman is Rudy Williams, a junior college transfer, who came on uh, and played pretty well against Wisconsin. But yeah, yeah. that has to be an incredible load to carry as the lone senior. When let's be honest, Mike McGurl's a role player. And he always was a role player, but they're asking him to be so much more. And so far, he's stepped up into that. And that's really admirable. Well, it's, it's, it's not so much what he can do on the court in terms of his skills. It, it's more about his leadership and, you know, and what he can do on the court in, in that regard, so in the practice or in the locker room. Uh, because, uh, you know, being that upperclassman, as, as we discussed earlier, having those guys to, 
that have been bottle tested that can give you an example of how to the young younger younger classmen of how things should be played. It, it's a yeah, I I personally enjoyed it. You know, I, I wasn't the only senior at the time, but I enjoyed that. I you know, I, I like to to bestow knowledge on the younger guys that, you know, to make their life better on the court, on and off the court actually. Uh but but for him, uh, you know, I'm sure it's tough on him. You know, he probably wanted to just, you know, to, to go out with his senior. I'm, I'm sure COVID <laughs> came about too. I'm sure he wasn't, a, you know, uh, happy with all this COVID stuff either. But being a, the, the upperclassman, you know, he he should relish that and have that uh, that role and to be able to just give that knowledge to the guys. And it's, I know it's tough on him, but he seemed like he's he's a guy that can shoulder that. Gil, speaking of COVID, Bruce Weber brought up today that, uh, you know, Mike McGurl redshirted most of his freshman year and then got pushed into duty in the Elite Eight uh, run uh, late in the season. And then the Elite Eight, he played a significant role in that win over Creighton, certainly. But now because of COVID, Gills, he might get that senior year back. He can come back oh. if he wants. And uh, it's kind of a bonus out of the pandemic. If you're Mike McGurl, do you come back for more after what he's going to go through this season? Oh, I, I think maybe we come back to that one um, after the season. I don't, it's it's up to him if he wants to what go. Are you Chris Kleiman? What are you? What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, not, no, not to dodge the question, but really, you kind of, uh, you know, speaking of football, um, you, you know, with Skylar Thompson, what if K State? What what if Will Howard was a really good quarterback this year? Thompson's not going to come back. So I, I think it all large, largely depends on what this team can do. Yeah. Um, if he really does, let's be, I think it's what it boils down to. Can, can K-State have a legitimate chance to make the NCAA tournament? You know, if, there, if that's out of the question in his mind, then I don't think he'd come back. And that's just my, my personal opinion. I'd agree. But I, I wouldn't want to come back another year if it's going to be, you know, a five or six win season. So obviously they're going to be better next year, no doubt about that. But I, I wish I had – I wish I knew the answer. But I, I truly do think visiting – in, in March or April, we'll give it a better answer. You know, um, ahead, I would just like to say something. Oh, yeah, go ahead. go ahead, Chris. Well, I, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I want your input on this too, Chris, because I hear a lot about this. Um, everyone, you know, extra year of eligibility and get to come back and do that opportunity. I don't know what Chris felt like, but when I was done, I was done. Uh, if I had an extra year of eligibility to come back, I. I probably wouldn't have done it, um, even if I would have been playing. Um, it, it's just I, – I don't think people understand the toll that college – there's a lot of benefits to college athletics, and I won't deny that, but I don't think people understand the, the toll that it takes on your body and otherwise uh, as well, too. And when you see that light, you're happy for the opportunity that you had, but there's a part of you also that just wants to move on with your life, too. Well, that, that's true, Jay. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we played together. You want you obviously want to move on with your life, but I, I would take it. I'd be I'd take the extra year for uh, me personally, and um, you know, and it's kind of hindsight. You know, being out of college for twenty some odd years, you know, it, it, it's, it doesn't get any easier in the real world. I tell you, but and it, it was nice playing basketball. Even if, it, it, you know, the, the, the morning practices or, or afternoon practices, all the stuff that went, you know, entail with it, I, I still would do it over again, especially for, you know, that extra year uh, being in his shoes, uh, knowing that everybody is, uh, you know, uh, lower classmen and they would be, you know, move up another year and uh, come back and actually try to be a part of something special.
I think those guys with Nigel and Bradford and, and Miguel and the other guy you guys talking about that's a sharpshooter, you know, if those guys do ascend, then it, that would be something, you know, he can come back and actually think he can be a contributor to it. And I, I would. Okay. Oh, yeah. Ryan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this with you. Define success for this team in a realistic manner for this edition of K-State basketball. You're talking – Wins and losses, or something else. How would you define success for this Bruce Weber team? Ah, man, I don't think win-loss is necessarily a good measure just because it's not going to be good no matter what. And I know that we talked about here making the NCAAs is not, you know, end-all, be-all for a season. But I, I think just you know, taking stuff away, and if you're a fan, just looking at them and saying, yeah, I'm actually excited that, that Bruce is still here as a head coach. I'm still excited that these guys are sticking through for next season. I think if you, if you think that to yourself, if you're excited about Nigel, if you're excited about Davion and that doesn't change from here until, uh, you know, the end of the season, then I think that that is, I guess, a successful season because, you know, wouldn't it suck if K-State was, you know, this was Barry Dean and Cam's senior year and this was the COVID season and it was going to be just a, a train wreck all the way throughout. So, you know, it's the COVID season and obviously K-State's kind of uh benefited from that just because if you are not good then there's a little bit of an excuse to that and I know it's not really an excuse but it's you know you can kind of fall back on that a little bit so I don't know if a win-loss number would be um I don't know uh, seven a successful season would be like eight wins let's put it at eight um but I think it's it's more you got to take away what you what you see from these guys and how much they care and progress throughout the season I agree Jay Heidrich how would you define success for this team I think success would be if 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 fans in next month, mid-February, if we're still playing, um, if, if fans are still tuning in because they're excited to see the games, regardless of what the record is, I think that's success. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm a loyal K-Stater, cats are on, nothing else is on, it's either this or watching Shawshank Redemption, I'll watch the cats. You know, um, uh, I'm talking about, man, I can't wait to watch this team play next week, you know, uh, regardless of what their record is. If you can have that type of attitude with the fans, then I think that that's success this year. Griff, your thoughts? Success for this well, season? Well, for me, yeah, I, I, I agree with both of those guys. Uh, to an extent, yeah, it doesn't come down to win losses. Um, uh, but for me, I, I like to see the style, like how, you know, a, a program to me is, you know, people coming in and uh, uh, displaying the, 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 you know, the, the, the aforementioned years that the, like Barry Brown and, you know, and all those other guys, you know, they played a certain way. Uh, you know, with the defense and their style of offense. Uh, I want to see the guys look like they're playing basketball out there on the offensive end or look like they're playing basketball out there on the defensive end, giving me every yep. rebounds and stuff along those lines. It's kind of like, um, since we bring up football a lot, uh, I'm not a Giants, not a New York Giants fan at all, but you can tell that those guys, even though they was losing, they still was playing hard and they was playing the right way. You can see that potential down the road. Like, they, you know, the Miami Dolphins last year, they was playing the right way. Then you saw the potential down the road. I want to be able to see the potential. I want to see the movement on offense. Yeah, you're not probably not going to win a lot of games, but I want to see the cuts, the back screens. You know, what, what are we running? You know, I see Nigel out there, and he's a very good basketball player. But a lot of his stuff, you know, or 
it's always him having to break somebody down or, you know, do that's not offense to me. Not to say, you know, I don't want to take it away from my, I love the guy, but that to me is not offense. You know, I want to see all the, all five of the guys involved on the offensive end in the motion or, you know, all five of the guys on, I don't want to see one guy playing defense or one guy rebounding and everybody, you know, breaking out. That's not, that's not what I want to see. I want to see those guys actually crashing the board. Okay, I can see that those guys are actually giving me effort. On the offense, everybody touching the ball. He took a good shot as opposed to just throwing some stuff up. So that's what I want to see. Yeah, I'm not going to grade them on win losses, but I want to see some performance. Well, all interesting points. You know, we always fall back on the, the Cam and Barry and Dean class. The similarity here is this. Both of those recruiting classes, this one and that one, had eight players in it. People don't remember that. There were eight players in that recruiting class, and only three made it to the end, and they were really good. So one of my definitions of success is, can he keep the core together? Can he keep more than three guys? Because I feel like there's talent enough for five or six guys to really kind of bond together over the long run and really form something special. We'll see. I if they can win four games in the Big Twelve, I'll be overjoyed. I mean, that's that's how low the bar is this season. But uh, it it is what it is this year, guys. I, I mean, um, it's a rebuild from the ground up, and it ain't going to be pretty. But Jay, you brought up a great point, and it's a great way to end this podcast. You said you'd rather watch K-State basketball than the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I would like to point out that K-State basketball right now is Andy Dufresne. And we're going to have to <laughs> crawl through a mile of crap to get to something better on the other side. And this season <laughs> is the mile of crap. Guys, I appreciate, yeah. I appreciate it so much. Any final thoughts? No, I just appreciate the opportunity to get here and talk with my uh, buddy Chris, and this will be fun. Look forward to doing it uh, as the year goes on. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about things that need to be improved and, and uh, young kids, and, and it does seem negative, but there, there is a lot, a lot of potential here. And, you know, I think that um, the one thing that uh, everyone needs to remember is that six months ago these kids were going to prom. So um, don't, don't, don't forget that as, as we watch them and give them time, give them a chance. And as Chris said, you know, look for the little things that, that proceed with, you know, are they playing hard? Are they playing offense? And if we see those things, then, then, then that'll be the right way to be. Oh, Jay, they didn't have prom because 2020 sucks. It's just <laughs> way to go. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for the Powercat Insiders podcast brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. Thank you, fellas. We will reconvene you. next week. It. I hope you both can make it. Gil, thanks for sitting in. Good job. And that's it for this podcast. We'll be back later in the week with the Powercat Questions podcast after Tuesday night's game at Iowa State. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 